Hi, I'm Courtney. This is Something Positive for Positive People, and I just hit my knee on the desk, and I'm trying very hard not to act like I did. But today I'm here with Matt. Matt, go on and introduce yourself. <laughs> well, my name is Matthew. I'm uh, 27, uh, Puerto Rican and black, uh, male. Uh, I identify as gay. Um, I'm in Philly. I live in Philly, born and raised. Um, and currently I do have a partner of two years. Um, uh, we live together, and the where I work, I work in a um, credit card call center. Okay, that works. All right, so you cover just about everything. <laughs> cool. And uh, what is your condition? So I'm HIV positive. Okay. And how long have you been HIV positive? I actually just hit my 10-year mark. So 10 that years? Okay. Cool. Well, not cool. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say to it. No, so, no, uh, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I, it, it is a positive thing. Pun intended. <laughs> I do that no, all the time. Like, yeah, be positive. We're positive. Stay positive. Not like you have a choice. <laughs> but No, but the, me hitting my 10-year my mark is definitely um, something worth celebrating. So it is, it is a good thing in my book. All right. Now, why do you say that? That makes perfect sense because I mean, okay. same thing with me. Like, um, I've only had HSV for six years, seven years now, as far as I know. And for me to, you know, be doing this, like, I feel as if almost I had found a purpose, you know, something that's yeah, meaningful, perfect. something that's not just sitting at a desk making somebody else rich. So, yeah. uh, I can completely relate when you say that. Now, I told you before this, so full disclaimer for anyone who's listening, um, Matt and I had a conversation, and I let him know that I was going to approach this podcast as someone who's just genuinely curious and knows absolutely nothing about HIV, so that we're able to inform anyone who just may not even have any information on it or have had any reason to until just now. So, Matt, tell us, what is HIV? So, HIV is a autoimmune virus that... What it basically does is it lowers your immune, uh, your immunity, attacks your immunity. So you can you have the possibility of getting sicker more easier, easier, whatever the word is. Um, we mispronounce um, things all the time on here. You're fine. I think I said minimalize. I said minimalize one time. I was like, shit, I'm not editing this for one word. Yeah, so, so yeah, you may get easier, sick, easier. Or um, you may stay sick longer. Um, it lowers your uh, your CD4 count, which is like your your T cells. So those are like your fighter, like in your blood. It, it's it's um, what helps fight off um, foreign like sicknesses, so diseases, viruses, stuff like that. So you're more uh, susceptible to um, those foreign bodies if you don't manage yourself so basically where i would get a cold and i'd be sick for like three or four days and try and sweat it out or something an hiv positive person who gets a cold does it last longer or are the systems more intense is that what we're saying so if they are not managing their um themselves well then yes that could be a case um for instance, like when I was newly diagnosed before I was on any sort of uh, medication regimen or anything like that, the reason how I found out was I had actually caught mono. Mm-hmm. So mono as a 17-year-old, 17-year-old isn't something that someone of my age should have gotten. It's either something that uh, a, a young kid would get um, because they haven't built up that immunity yet, or uh, it's something that there's a 
older version of mono. I can't think of it right now, but that old, older people get. Um, it's not like strep, so, though, is it? Is it strep? So it's it's kind of like strep, but like worse. So okay. mono was known as like the the kissing the, the kissing. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I remember that like in that. college. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was known for like little kids. You know, you share straws. You get it. You get it that way. That's how you get mono. Okay. Um, so for me to has it have it as a as a adolescent, um, it raised red flags for my doctor. So I was sick for like two weeks straight before like I actually went to the doctor and stuff like that. Um, so that's what I mean by like your your immunity. You're more susceptible to different kinds of sicknesses. Like I was positive at the time, not taking any med- medication. So I got a sickness that someone my age of my uh, you know, demographic wouldn't normally have gotten. Right. Okay. Now take us back to your diagnosis. So you're 17, you're diagnosed, doctor tells you, all right, you have HIV. What happens? So I kind of, I remember that day, like, super vividly. <laughs> so, because I was 17, I was still going to my pediatrician. So, my family doctor, I, was, I hadn't quite aged out of my pediatrician I've been going to since I was born. So, I was still there. Um, my mom had actually taken me to that doctor's visit. Um, she's in the lobby. I'm grown, so I'm, I go handle my business with the doctor. So, as soon as the, the doctor tells me, you know, you're HIV positive. Didn't say nothing. I got up, walked out the room, told my mom to come in the room. <laughs> because I'm like, I I basically checked out. Because my mom's a nurse, so I knew that having her in the room was necessary for me. Because I knew that she was going to ask all the questions that I should be asking. And I'm not kind of like been shocked. <laughs> um and kind of, like, my mom's my best friend, so she was the first person to know, obviously. She was going to have to tell her anyway. This would kind of took care of that, too. So I brought my mom in. Um, doctor told her. Um, and then what I, re- I don't really remember much else, but what I do remember is she had to take blood immediately right after that. So stuck the needle in, um, and then when she took it out, she was like... Uh, you're like she's like wow you're not you're not bleeding like you know you get stuck you normally bleed and then I remember thinking I'm like well you can't bleed if your heart's not beating oh shit because like I, I just felt like like I just stopped like I was stuck yeah before she told me that so that was that's the only thing that sticks out to me as far as my um my diagnosis go or went um everything after that was more so kind of it never hit me emotionally because it hit my mom a little emotionally and I kind of was you know being strong for her mm-hmm. on, the, on top of that like I guess my emotion was just apathy I stopped feeling everything so um, that's kind of how it went as far as me being diagnosed I had to go Get, go to another department because um, I'm at a family doctor. They're, they're not equipped to deal with um, right, right. this sort of situation. Uh, so I had to go to a special uh, specialty uh, specialist, get blood work done, and then work on getting ongoing care um, moving forward. Uh-huh. So that process took anywhere between a few days to like about a week or so. Uh, I don't remember but um, it was a pretty smooth process to get everything set up. Um, all the, like my doctor was, uh, you know, pretty like she was. She was, you know, a little nervous at first because you know no one wants to be the one to deliver bad news like that. Right. But um, she reassured me that everything was fine, um, and that we'll they'll, they'll do everything for me to get the care that I needed. Okay. Um, and then the care that I did get after that was phenomenal. And I honestly put where I got today in their lap. It's, it's thanks to my adolescent care mm-hmm. that they kind of 
educated me and I guess you could say molded me to become so passionate about um, HIV and everything like that now. Okay. And make sure I take care of myself. Um, make sure that I was not only an educated on HIV, but as um, educated to be a, a, man, a managing like adult. Um, period. Yeah. Now, so when you say managing, what do you mean by managing? Does it just mean taking pills? Does it mean taking care of your body? What What exactly does managing HIV looks like? So, pretty much in a nutshell, just just taking taking my pill. Mm-hmm. So, um, right now, um, the way the process works, well, and what's the medication? Um, the medication that I'm on is Trifen. Okay. So, the it took a while to get to where I'm at right now when it comes to my medication because um, when you're newly diagnosed, you have to get all kinds of blood work done. Uh, one of the most important tests that gets done is a resistance test. Mm-hmm. Um, there's many different types of HIV medication because there are many different strands of HIV. Oh, I didn't know that. There's I thought no, that was just HIV yeah, and no, it was just one HIV. Yeah, no. Okay. So, so there that and that that's a, a, a common uh, misconception, even with people who are positively diagnosed with HIV, they think that you know, okay, I'm positive, this person positive, we can still have unprotected sex, and we're good. That's not the case because these two different people can have two different strands of HIV, and then you guys can basically catch each other's strand which will cause you to be resistant to different types of medicine. Oh. So, so the one of the important parts is the resistance test because you have to find out which medicine you are or aren't resistant to. Um, that way they can get you on uh, a daily regimen. Okay. To, um, to, to manage your HIV. And what the medicine does and what managing HIV does is it, um, taking your medication lowers your viral load and your viral load is the amount of HIV that's in your bloodstream so basically what the ideal situation is is to be um, known as what's called undetectable Mm -hmm. is when your viral load is so low that with their tests they it's uh, they're not counting enough of the HIV virus in your bloodstream to detect with that test. Um, what it also does is it helps uh, build your CD4 count or your T cells, mm-hmm. which are those spider blood cells um, that helps fight off those foreign bodies, um, sicknesses, and stuff like that. It helps regulate that too because those are those are basically the two key things that you want to manage and be aware of now, when you're HIV. Okay, so when you say undetectable, so if you're undetectable, does that mean you're not contagious? Not necessarily. So there, there's actually an article that just came out mm-hmm. that I didn't read entirely. But the um, gist of the article was that um, they just, uh, all those health people, wherever they are, just released um, information saying that when you're undetectable, it is, um, it's, it's highly unlikely, let's just say that. That's okay. what I can say now. I didn't, since I didn't read the article, I'm not going to go there. Okay. Um, but the being undetectable um, definitely lowers the risk of transmission to your partner or to someone else um, mm-hmm. because of that. Gotcha. Uh, so. Okay. Now, like, like I, um, a, a previous relationship I was in for almost five years. Um, I'm, I've been undetectable since I started my regimen, so okay. Um, I'm, I'm undetectable. We, five years, really unprotected sex the whole time. Uh huh. Uh, he's still he's still negative. Okay. All right. So, so it's it's not to say like you okay I'm undetectable you're not going to get it you can't guarantee that you right. want to take the precaution. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
is a lot less likely. All right, so we cannot we cannot say that if you are undetectable, you are you are uh, you're you're not likely to pass it on. We'll just like it reduces the risk. We can just say that. Yeah. But we're gonna yeah, say it in like an extreme form. It's like your risk is significantly lower when you're in the undetectable state. Is that correct? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. All right. Now. After diagnosis, um, you got your treatment and um, you got the you got educated. So, what? How was life after diagnosis? So, let's take me through what eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old Matthew looked like. What was he dealing with? So, a lot. Okay. <laughs> I was dealing with a lot um, internally because at that time I was still in the closet with my sexuality. Oh, okay. Um, so, which kind of, I chalk up to me being in the situation I'm in now. Because I was in the closet, I wasn't comfortable with my sexuality. I was living a unhealthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you was out here being a hoe. Is, is that what you said? Where? <laughs> is that what you said? You was out here being a hoe. Basically. <laughs> you know, everybody got their whole face. All right. When people do that, people do this thing. They're like trying to figure out how to say I was promiscuous. They look away. They talk like this. Like they're looking for what they want to say. All right. Everybody got their whole face. And if you haven't had it yet, you definitely should experience it. Oh, yeah. That'd be my thing. Like you ain't ready to settle down till you you got that out your system. So. But um, even even more than like just the whole phase, it was like I wasn't building relationships. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't even trying to build relationships because having a relationship as a closeted teen is super difficult. Yeah, like having a relationship as a teen or having a relationship period, especially like uh, ten years ago too. So I mean, it didn't. It wasn't a good time. I mean, like even now, it's more. It's more uh, acceptable to be gay, but back then, like, I can only imagine, like, if you were in the closet and your mom's your best friend, did she know that you were gay? No, 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 nobody knew at this time. I uh-huh. hadn't come out until I got to college. Um, oh, okay. So, during, during that time, it's funny because the, one of the, uh, one of the other thoughts that stick with me from the time that I got diagnosed was I'm like, damn, this is kind of fucked up. Like, because I had just came, like, I had just came to, like, that Mm self-acceptance where I had had my, I was dating my very first boyfriend where, like, so it was, it was my time that I was coming out of that, like, promiscuous, whole phase, um, unhealthy, unsafe kind of sexual activity and coming into, like, okay, now own it, I'm a gay guy, whatever. Yeah. I want a relationship. I'm I'm I call myself like a serial monogamous. <laughs> I know what like, that I, is. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't like that whole life wasn't for me. Like I <laughs> I don't knock anybody who does it. You know, do you? Yeah. But it is, first of all it's too much work. You gotta have that that cold like get to know you conversation if you decide to do all that. Yeah. Um over and over again. If you want to just have to like hit and quit a conversation, you know, you got to start ignoring people's calls after a while. It's just too much. You got to play that game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I, I for that. yeah. <laughs> so like I had just like started to like have that settle down mentality, even though I was young. Like, um, so I had just had my, I was in my first relationship. Um, so I'm like, damn, like I just decided to get serious about, like me and my sexuality and shit like that, and then now this is just like nope, yeah, no you're not. Like so, yeah, it it was it was kind of hard because like sex was an awkward thing for me. Like as a young as a teenage boy, sure you know sex drives is high, right? Like that's all we think about. Oh, oh that's it. <laughs> but, you know, every time I think about that. I'm thinking about, but you're HIV positive. Yeah. So, 
like the, everybody know like they say like you know use condoms use protection but I just I'm like I felt bad mm-hmm. just all together like even with condoms and stuff because with my partner at that time my first boyfriend like we weren't we weren't using protection because we were young like it's like you know we, we were it was young just like, I mean it ain't like when you could get pregnant so it was exactly. like wow like we more exactly. concerned about like getting pregnant, pregnant than anything else um, and HIV is not one of those things where it has any outward symptoms. Uh-huh. So it's like a lot of people, even now, uh, adults have this mindset that just because you didn't test positive doesn't mean that you're negative. Yeah. So that's the that's the mentality that a lot of people have. Like, you know, oh, I'm not positive, but when was the last time you got tested? Yeah. How do you know you're not positive? Now, so how, that, long, how long does it take to show up from the time that you've been... Uh, You've contracted it. Like, is it like a so, three-month period, or? It can take, it, they say it can take um, six months, between three and six months. Okay. Um, for it to show in the blood test. Okay. From the time that you got, from the time that you contracted uh, HIV. Um, it can take that long, a little longer. Definitely within that first year, you'll, 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 you'll come back, um, which is why uh, they record, um, recommend getting tested every um, three to six months. Okay. Um, if you're sexually active. Got it. Um, even though you got tested last month, you may have, you know, had sex within that time. You know, next three months come down the line. Um, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so real quick. So, in dating, after you contracted, after you found out about your diagnosis, um, were you... Were you dating? Like, how'd you meet people? Did you meet them online? Did you tell people who were negative? Or, like, did you disclose? Like, what was the... How was dating for you after you contracted HIV and then came out? Dating after being diagnosed um, was was different. Like, um, at that, there was a long period of time. Mind you, I'm super awkward, so... Even now, if I wasn't in a relationship, I'm not the type of person to go up to somebody that I don't know. Right. And just like sort of conversation, I'm not the type of person to go to a bar and be like, "Hey, let me get you a drink." No, that's that's weird. Yeah. Like, why are you talking? <laughs> um, <laughs> Millennials, <laughs> but, man. <laughs> but back then, um, especially back then, um, it was all about getting to know somebody first or knowing the person first. Like, the people that I dated um, early on in my diagnosis was my first boyfriend who I went to school with. So we've, we've known each other for uh, a while now. Uh-huh. And then the next few were um, co-workers mm-hmm. um, I went to, that I worked with. Um, so it started off with friendships, stuff like that, get to know each other, uh, get to know people. Because my whole thing is, like, the more you get to know me, the less you see my status. Yeah. When it comes time for me to disclose. Got it. Um, so, all right, so you're making friends with these people and then deciding, okay, this is going to go somewhere, so now I have to tell them. Yeah. Got it, so okay. So, it, it, got, it got to the point where my, the, my first, my first couple of my books, uh, yeah, when it comes to like disclosing, that was the hardest part about dating. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be honest. The first two boyfriends, I've never, I never disclosed to, mm-hmm. um, because they were um, my first boyfriend. That relationship ended soon after I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my my next relationship uh, was actually a little a little longer than that. It was about two years. That we were dating, um, but we used protection every time we had sex. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't necessarily feel the need to tell him at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, now wait, but, so when you're diagnosed, I I don't know if this is a rumor or if this is just something. I mean, I don't know if this is a real thing, but do they have you like call your previous partners and let them know or something? They they had. They, they give you the option to like they they say that we have um they they recommend it basically uh-huh. um so if you have they have 
they, they basically give you options to do that. So they have like uh, a, a random email that they can send out that's not like specific or, or specifying you or me mm-hmm. um, individually, uh, but it would just say something along the lines of, you know, a previous partner of yours um, has recently tested positive. We recommend that you get it, that you get tested as soon as possible. Got it. Okay. Like um, but at the time, I there there were no there were no names, there were no phone number, there were no addresses, let alone an email address uh-huh. for anyone I was uh, sexually involved with. Got it. So I'm like that. I'm, cause I'm like I don't have I don't know who it was. I don't know who I got it from. Um, so it, which at, at that point it was all about disclosing moving forward. Okay. Which probably was the biggest struggle that I dealt with when it comes, or, and probably anybody does, is is disclosing, telling people, yeah. be it um, a partner, a family member, a friend. The biggest thing is letting people know. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you let them know? When do you let them know? Even with my family, my family's super um, open and just there. Yeah. But it, that's just not something that, like, how do you bring that up in conversation? Yeah, especially right. with, like, what's... Because, like I told you before we started this podcast, I was like, I don't know anything except for what I've heard. And a lot of what I've heard has been from people who don't have any experience with HIV. It's just been like, oh, man, you don't want to get HIV. You don't want to get STDs. Use condoms. Like, those are the types of things that I've heard. So it's not anything like there's no education necessarily. I don't want to say there's no education, but um, there could be more education about you know, all STDs, to be honest, but for HIV specifically, you know, these are just the things that you hear. Don't get HIV, don't get HIV, don't get HIV. But there's not really much, okay, someone has HIV or uh, if you have HIV, this is what you, this is what you can expect or this is how you deal with it. Like I, so from your perspective, when you've disclosed to people, like, is it just, I have HIV and they go running for the hills or is it, I have HIV, here's what that means and they're receptive to at least hearing you out about it. So there's two answers to that question because when it came to me disclosing, there's two different parts of my life that play a factor. So earlier on, it was, um, it was I had to deal with that whole like awkward um, thing, but as I said, everyone that I disclosed to at that time was someone that I had built a relationship with. Mm-hmm. So that even sexually or not, I built that friendship first before we started dating. So they're seeing me before me telling them this information. Right. So whenever I did disclose at that time, um, you know, it came with like, you know, Acceptance. I didn't. I didn't have anybody turn away from me because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, my one partner found out without me telling him um, because he was staying with me and found my medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, find medicine. You look it up. Curiosity and all. Oh those yeah, things. everybody does that. Well, you yeah, stay with in someone's house. You gotta check the medicine cabinet. <laughs> yeah. So he he was he was hurt. Um, and this is the one I was saying that we were together for five years. I'm protected sex the entire time. He's still negative today. Um, so he was hurt because we had had sex before. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I hadn't told him. Um, which I can admit was fucked up. But I was still dealing with it myself. The whole how to, when to tell, how to tell. Um, my goal was to not have sex until we had that talk. Right. But it didn't turn out Shit that happens. way. <laughs> Shit happens. I know I did. It, it, it didn't turn out that way. But, you know, it. he, he was hurt. But um, he stayed. That That was very early on in our relationship that he found out that way. I think we were not even a year in. Mm-hmm. So he stayed another four years. Um, 
we just made sure that, you know, I was, I was fine. Um, and of course they went and made sure that they were fine. Okay. Um, I got to a point in my life where, like, I did start, um, meeting people. I, I, like, kind of on, like, so, like, on, on social media, on apps and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's where the whole, like, um, awkwardness comes because you don't get the chance to uh, build that relationship with people, especially yeah. on like these dating apps and shit like that, Grinder, Jack, all people want that. I'm not pretty sure you're not familiar, but those are just like basically sex apps. Uh-huh. So it's like, it's like, like gay tender. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, but I'm not sure how sex for Tinder is, but Grinder is definitely like, <laughs> you're on there to find, it tells you how close somebody is. Where they at? Like, yeah, that that's tender. <laughs> it's tender. They call it a dating app. Yeah, it's more of a mating like, app. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but with things like that, it's harder to kind of put your face forward, right? With um, this clothing. So even then, I was, you know, trying to date. Like, cause it, my my intention at this point was is not to have just meaningless sex is to date and build a lifelong relationship. Gotcha. So a lot of those relationships didn't even get far enough for me to have to disclose. Okay. But um, for the ones that did, uh, it got awkward again because I would still wait too long Mm -hmm. to to tell people. Um, Yeah. And then there was one final phase where I had I came, I've come out the closet as, as gay to my family, friends, and everybody else who cares or who matters. Um, I still haven't disclosed my status to anybody. Mm-hmm. So about two years ago, two, two years ago, I had made a YouTube video where I called it my coming out story. So it was like coming out like squared or coming out coming out twice or something like that. So. I told my story about how I came out to my family. It was like basically super funny um, because I'm not a serious, like dramatic guy. I'm not going to sit there with them like, hey, I have to tell you something. Like, yeah. sit down. Like, I'm, you know. So I, I, I posted the video of how I came out as gay to my family and friends. And then after that, I came out again to everybody regarding my, my status. So that was the first time the majority of my family knew. At that time, only my mom had knew, and I had I had allowed her to tell my two aunts, so that way she can have like that support system. Because I know it's it's hard yeah. for, especially as a mom, to deal with that. You got to tell somebody. So my I, mom can't keep a secret for shit. Like, yeah, yeah it, <laughs> that shit. My mom cannot keep yeah, a secret. Yeah, it's, it's just one of those things, man. Um, and, and I'm like, on top of like, I know she's going to need somebody to talk to, and she, um, I'm not necessarily the one, yeah, to talk to about the emotion that she's feeling right now. So she had asked me early on is if it's okay to tell my two aunts. I said, got okay. it. So those are the only three people that had knew at that time. Okay. So after I had released that video of me coming out twice, um, I had this like sense of relief. Yeah. Because. I, I was like, um, basically, anybody who matters knows and doesn't care. Anybody who has an issue with it, I don't need that kind of those person, who, energy, negativity in my life. Yeah, those who don't matter. Wait, those who care don't matter? And those who don't... Those who matter wait, don't mind and those who mind don't matter. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we, we were on the same page there. Yeah. All right, <laughs> so you come so, out... And like that, that's 100% true. So once I had that... Um, even even if I was on like those apps, I'm like, look, you wanna you wanna link up, you wanna hook up, whatever. That's cool. Just so you know, I'm HIV positive. I've been undetectable for the past ten years. Take it or leave it. Yeah. And that even with that kind of like upfront bluntness, um, I had two people kind of not. They, well, they, they turned me down, which is fine. Yeah. Because it was better for me that way because not only have we not built a relationship, I haven't built up that, like, emotional kind of attachment yet. Yeah. 
So before, so I there was a minimal. Myself, my best my time. There was a minimal um, investment. Yeah, there you go. Um, so there, there's two people who kind of like you know that's too much for me. I'm not ready for that. I don't feel comfortable. Cool, perfectly understandable. Um, I respect that. Mm-hmm. I can't can't knock you for it. Um, I have I haven't had anybody like disrespect me for. Yeah. Disrespect me or or turn turn me down so like like aggressively. Yeah, I think um, that's what a lot of people might be afraid of as well. It's just being called disgusting or gross and things like yeah. that. Just completely demean for contracting an STD, doing the same yeah. thing that they have done and may not even know whether or not they have anything. So exactly, exactly. Like shit happens. Like. Yeah, I, I've, I've met people. I've, I've met people um, within my community um, who have contracted HIV in a variety of different ways. Like even me, um, being positive had like a mindset of how people get it because of how I assumed I got it. Um, but people get stuck by some. One of my closest friends got stuck by a needle taking out trash because um, no. he worked in a park. Fuck, that sucks. As simple as that, like, no fucked up decision, well, not to say fucked up decision, because I, I don't regret any decision I've ever made, um, but no no decision of his own, no uh, life choices, it was just, he was doing his job, got injured on a job. Another friend of mine uh, was born with it, so, which I, which I commend her and anyone who was born with HIV, because you deal with so much stigma from the gate. Like you deal with all the all these judgments um, that aren't necessary that aren't your fault. Yeah. Like and aren't you as a person? They, they don't they don't portray they don't convey you as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not even so, any like decisions that they've made either because it's like you know we, it's, here's your cards. Yeah. You, know, you gotta deal with them. Now you're in your community, so you said uh, in the community, which I know you're involved with. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Scarlet Ribbon Project? So the Scarlet Ribbon Project is something that I actually just started um, about a month ago. It is a social media-based storytelling project um, whose goal is to fight HIV stigma mm-hmm. um, and, and HIV stigma through storytelling through um, basically putting that space behind this epidemic because people have these preconceived notions as what HIV looks like, what kind of lives people with HIV live, um, who these people are. So my goal is to kind of say, hey, I'm here. I'm similar to what you're doing. So I'm in this profession. I'm still... I'm still successful. Yeah. I'm still living a lucrative life or whatever. Um, I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a teacher. I'm, yeah. You know, it don't matter. Like, it doesn't have a face. It doesn't have a job. Um, and it doesn't stop you from doing anything that you wanted to do before. Um, so that's my goal. Is Especially with my mindset of before when it came to disclosing myself, it's all about building a relationship first. That way, when you do disclose, you don't get that judgment. You get the, I'm here for you. Yes. So, as opposed to, like, I don't know you, stay away. Yeah. Like, I know you. You know me. I know you. I know your story. I know your life. And it's to bring those those stories in and those people in to kind of be like, Hey, it's not just me. I can relate to that person right there. Or I have a brother who's a hairstylist. Or I have a brother who's a doctor. Yeah. Like so I see so you're, I you're see humanizing my it. in these stories. Yeah. And even as a negative person or someone who doesn't have HIV, you see your family members or you see your loved ones through these stories, through these pictures, through these faces, and you know that if and when someone close to you does decide to disclose to you and open up their heart to you, then you remember that 
they're still there. Yeah. That's yeah, that's exactly what this is. I mean, hopefully one day I get to take notes from you, man. You can start a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Seriously. But uh, I mean, it's a great way to tell stories, man. I got this like a hundred dollar mic. I forget how much it was. I think it was like one fifty. I got this mic. I don't know if you can see it or not, uh, through the computer screen, but it's right. Damn it. Hold on. Let me twist this a little bit. Dude, where is it? Oh, there it is. It just plugs into the phone. And okay. then, bam, okay, cool. there you go. And there's an app for it. You can edit everything. So this is what I've been using. I've been interviewing people in my car, at their house, at other people's house. Um, <laughs> I had one uh, in a neighborhood. It was, it was really loud. There were crickets and stuff outside. And, like, cars kept driving by. So I, like, pulled over in this suburban, in this suburb and just hit record and started talking to this lady. It's uh, the first episode of the podcast that I did. Then I got smart and realized, oh, you know, I can, I don't have to be in a car. Like we can go to, uh, like a, I work at a gym, so I just use the yeah. gym sometimes. So, yeah, man, best of luck to you. Like I really think that that's an awesome thing that you're doing. Um, are you only gonna be interviewing people with uh, HIV? Um, for now, the the goal is specifically um, regarding people living with or affected by HIV. Mm-hmm. So, um, my goal right now is to focus on people with a, who are HIV positive, um, and even branch out to their partners as well, possibly interviewing, um, partners of those living oh, with yeah. HIV, um, because unbeknownst to me, I never even thought about until a friend of mine um, brought it up that partners deal with their own stigma when dealing or, or, or being in a relationship with someone with HIV positive. Yeah. Um, so those those are definitely stories um, that I want to capture as well. Okay. Yeah, well, when you get that, when you, like, really get that going and you, like, have people who are interviewing and whatnot, um, I don't know, are you going to do a YouTube channel or is it going to be a podcast? Do you have any medium? So I have, um, I, I kind of went, like, when this, when this idea... In my head, I secured all the social media outlets with my name that I could. So mm-hmm. I have um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr. Um, I have a YouTube, my Gmail, um, and now my website too. So my YouTube, I got for the long run, just in case. Um, right now, um, I, I it's basically primarily through social media, um, Instagram more specifically, because um, Instagram you can just yeah. share to all the other social media. That's it. So um, easy. I'm not big on Twitter yet. Like I know I'm late in the game, but I've never had a Twitter. Don't never mind. too late. Never too late. Using hell is mad confusing. Like uh, I tried, so I'm still. Because I mean, like, that's, that's how I found you. I mean, I just went to uh, Instagram. I made my page. It's just at H on my chest. And then I followed a lot of uh, different STD um, pages that are like get tested or HIV living, HSV living. I just started hitting follow. Like, I put a good description, I think, on my Instagram page. Like, hey, this is what this is. So I'm following everyone who follows those pages and they know about the podcast. They know where to find it. It's on iTunes. Um, so that's a good idea for you, man. I think we need more things like this. We need more people who are, uh, talking about it because the people who do have it don't want to talk about it. And oftentimes you only hear the worst case scenarios. And that's just because the people who are living normal lives or in the best case scenarios are already in relationships. They're already in their career. They're living their life happily ever after. And you don't hear that story because there's no reason for them to share it. So it's very helpful to hear not only, you know, these are the bad things that you could potentially deal with or have to deal with, but it's also like, Hey, you know, I'm, this is what I'm doing to manage. And I personally believe that the experience of people who are living with it or are immediately affected by it, carry a little bit more value than your cookie cutter template of, you know, what to expect from the doctors who study it because there's a difference between living it and then studying it. Exactly, because, like, even when, like, as a newly diagnosed, or, like, we, we, we went through, like, we, we, not went through, but we had the option to go to, like, support groups, 
but they're run by social workers, doctors, nurses who aren't negative. I mean, or who are negative or aren't positive. So it's like, like, what do you know? I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. But yeah, you don't know. What it's I'm a difference. Yeah, it's a difference between coaching the game and then playing in the game, and like, it, yeah. it's just completely different. So I completely understand that. Um, so we're yeah we're approaching forty five minutes, man. <laughs> it's ended up being it's ended up being a little bit longer than I originally asked you to be here. So um, we can get to wrapping it up. Is there anything? What would you have told yourself based on your experience now? What would you have told yourself when you were newly diagnosed, or what advice do you have for someone who's newly diagnosed with HIV? So it, what I would tell myself is basically. It's not that deep. Like, it, it's, it's really not. It's, it's not that deep. You'll live. Um, it may be hard right now. Uh, but just know that the important people that are in your life now will still remain in your life. And those that decide to leave your life, you didn't need them in your life anyway. Yeah. Um, and as long as you have that mindset now and keep that mindset moving forward, you'll be able to live the happiest and healthiest life you can think of. Man, I feel like we should, like, do the snap thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, uh, Matthew, man, I really want to thank you for taking the time to hop on here and meet with me and share your story and um, hopefully help someone. Um, I don't know <laughs> who's going to hear it, but my whole thing is if one person can hear this, relate, and have a sense of uh, relief or inspiration at all, then it's worth it. You know, the 45, 50 minutes that we've taken and then including the time, the correspondence, the traffic, the clients showing up late, all of that uh, leading up to the production of this episode, man. So, like I said, thank you very much for taking the time and you're doing a great thing. And if I can help you in any way, uh, it was damn near impossible for me to find someone to interview uh, who had HIV. So I was just like, man, I, I just need to interview someone with HIV. I was on Positive Singles, like, hey, anyone want to interview? And got nothing. Wow, you that far. I mean, I was already yeah, on that, there. Like, that's where all of this started. So this started because uh, there was a young lady I was chatting with on there. Um, and she, very pretty girl, and had her shit together, like, really smart and um, very good sense of humor, gorgeous and everything. And after a few weeks of us, like, communicating back and forth she was just like you know before talking to you i contemplated suicide i was like what and i just kind of shook it off and it's, she just had herpes so it's not like it was anything that could have potentially killed her it was just herpes and so uh after hearing that like i heard it again and again and again it was like okay first off like it's not that bad and I can prove it to you by, you know, getting someone else's story out there. Who who has herpes? Like, I found out about, like, f secret Facebook groups and stuff. And I was just like, hey, would anyone want to interview on a podcast? And so uh, I got a couple of people on there. And they're like, oh, yeah, I mean, life's fine. It sucked at first. But only because I allowed what other people thought to dictate what I thought. So yeah. once you really get through that point and you're able to start living your life then it's fine so um i did this that's kind of what this started as and that had me thinking because um i've been there are people close to me who've committed suicide and i was just like damn you know what if they just had herpes or if they had some std or they just felt so alone in whatever their whatever it was that they were going through it could have been anything but if, you know, someone decides that they want to go and end their life because they have an SCD, if there's something out there like this that can help them, then by all means, you know, it's worth the little bit of time and effort put in in order to get this information out to them. Just to know there's someone like you out there living with what you're living with and they're perfectly fine. Definitely. And like you said, like, it's definitely um, called a passion my life so it gave my life purpose yeah um for, for just, just like you said to, to if i if my whole page for the however long it's run only helps one person it's worth it job <laughs> it's worth it because i mean that's the exactly. thing no, no the, the money ain't there it's not about the money um it's definitely not about the money 
Because as you pay hundred fifty dollars for that mic. Yeah, I was gonna like, say. I'm, <laughs> So, uh, so I, I, I know it's not, it's not about the money. You actually, it's, it's the opposite. You put so much of yourself into this, um, and it, it just comes so effortless. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's like a thought. Like, I need this to the crop so I can perpetuate this positive idea. Yes. And that's all you think about. Yeah. And that's why, um, that's why I do what I do now. And I definitely appreciate you having me on this podcast. Yeah, man, keep said, it up. Like, keep going. Someone who's, who's listening to it, um, we'll definitely keep in touch. Um, Absolutely. And if you have anyone who, I mean, if you want to, like, if you have any questions about the podcast and stuff, just let me know. I mean, I'm <laughs> available and doing it. I'm working through this myself. Like, it's new to me. I think this is uh, the 11th or 12th episode that I have done so far. So it's getting better. I'm working on my not saying like. Not saying, um, so it's really making me a better speaker as well. So this is definitely helping and I'm learning some production shit in case I ever want to change career fields. <laughs> so, uh, it, it's, it's working. Exactly. You never know what's going to come in handy. Yeah. So, uh, how can people find you? How can they get in contact with you? Um, you can hit me up on all my social media pages. Um, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr are all at the Scarlet Ribbon Project. Um, Twitter is at Scarlet Ribbon Project with no vowel, so S C R L T. Oh, Twitter R-B-T. sucks for that. Yeah, they they don't have enough characters. Yeah. I'm like, oh, so it's basically Scarlet Ribbon Project with no vowels. Got it. Um, I have a website, uh, thescarletribbonproject.com. Uh, you can also hit me up on um, if you want to just send me an email, thescarletribbonproject at gmail.com. Pretty straightforward. I didn't have time to think of multiple different names. <laughs> no, that's so fine. Everything's the Scarlet River Project. Type that in the um, Instagram. Is Instagram is what I primarily use. Yeah. Um, as far as um, reaching out to people, contacting people, so I would um, recommend hitting me up on that. I'm on that basically as much as I'm on my personal page. Um, for seven. <laughs> Got it. So yeah, uh, hit me up. All right. Well, that concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. I hope you guys were able to get something out of it. Please rate, review, share, uh, all that good stuff with the people who are in your communities, if you're positive, and if you just so happen to stumble across this podcast because you thought it was something completely different due to the title, I'm glad you stuck around. (laughs) And um, if you want any more information or more details on upcoming podcast episodes, or if you know someone who would like to share their story, um, Instagram is going to be the best place to get me. I'm just at H on my chest. Looks a lot like Han my chest or Ho in my chest, any of those, but it's H-O- Damn, I'm messing that up. H O N M Y C H E S T. Had a little brain fart there. But um, yeah, so I'll figure out a pretty cool title to name this episode, upload it on iTunes, and get that bad boy up. Uh, oh, wait, I'm talking to the audience like I'm talking to you. So we're just going to end <laughs> this. All right, everybody, stay positive. Say peace out, Matt. Peace out. Bam. <laughs>